Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Um, I'm your host, Chris Marshall. Hello, hope you're doing well today. Um, and we're moving away. Well, we're still staying on the pitch. We are still staying on the pitch. But instead of speaking to a player or a coach, which we've been doing this week, uh, we are going to speak to, well, the woman in the middle, not the man in the middle, um, as I'm joined by referee Vicky Allen. Uh, Vicky, thank you very much for coming on. Hi there, thanks for asking me. No, no problem at all. Um, let's get the nicest out of the way. How you doing? How's things? Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, surviving, I think, is, is what we're all saying just now. So, uh, yeah, just get on things, working away, staying inside. <laughs> are you uh, are you currently working? Are you furlough? Are you free time? What's what's your kind of situation at the moment? Yeah, I work I work uh, in in finance for my for my son. So, uh, yeah, working from home, which is uh, good fun. Trying to fit into a small flat, so. <laughs> Yeah, you're preaching to the choir there and seeing a small yeah. flat. You, how how you find it these last few months? You mentioned a small flat. I know that I've definitely got cabin fever. It's also got a little bit better over the last month and we've been able to be a bit more free to move. But um, how have you found it? Yeah, yeah, it's been been quite tough, you know. Um, yeah, especially the first few months, like you say, I think being stuck inside most of the time, just getting out when when we could for that one hour uh, that we were at first. So. Um, just trying to get out when you couldn't get training and still not knowing when football would be back obviously and uh, yeah it's been a bit better in the last couple of months but uh, or months probably but um, yeah like you say it's, it's been tough but yeah bigger things going on in the world obviously. Yeah absolutely it's always it's always important to kind of give yourself that wee check and balance just to keep yourself free. Yeah. But um, we're not here to talk about that because I think everybody's talked about that so much. Uh, we're here to talk a bit about football and specifically refereeing. But I think before we get into refereeing, I mean, football, is, is it something that you've always been passionate about? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've kind of grown up with it, which I'm, I'm sure we'll maybe get into a bit more, obviously. But um, my dad's a referee. Uh, he became a referee the year I was born. So literally grew up with it from that angle. And then uh, my mum doesn't anymore, but she used to work. Uh, in football as well so until I was about 12 I think 11 or 12 so yeah so from a young age was right in there going around to lots and lots of various different football clubs at lots of different levels um, so yeah it's um, been an interesting journey so yes yeah, so it's been uh, good yeah so been involved for a long time got a passion that way did you, did you like kind of dotting about all these different clubs? I, it's one of the things, I'm a bit of a low-key, I'm not a low-key ground hopper, I, I like a bit of ground hopping every now and again. <laughs> Is it something that you enjoyed, when, especially when you're younger, just going to all these different places and seeing football and all these different guises? Yeah, I think I probably didn't appreciate it as much then. I think, you know, it was just going to a different football club and seeing a different team or different teams and uh, probably not then. But now now it's quite cool to look back. Um, definitely do not ask me all what, what, what clubs I've been to because I could not <laughs> list you from, from when I was younger. But um, but yeah, I think it's quite cool now. And um, it's obviously kind of developed into a different angle now from the refereeing perspective and almost like ticking off the ground as you go from from that way. So yeah, I, I do quite quite enjoy that. When you were younger, did, did you play football? Was was the aim, well, I'm guessing the aim wasn't always to be a referee. I don't think anybody, does anybody say that? Well, maybe somebody does. But, um, I mean, did you play when you were younger? Or what was it kind of, like, you mentioned going to grounds. Was it just a case of being a fan at that time? Yeah, definitely being a fan. Uh, I think, yeah, if you, you ask anybody, I cannot kick a football to save my life. Um, so uh, I think I think when I'm on a, on the pitch as well, you know, the, the ball comes comes near me and, and uh, the players are like, just kick it back. I'm like, honestly, you're quicker. You're quicker going to get it yourself <laughs> and seeing where it ends up. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so well, I suppose a big question is in what, what started your path into being an official? 
yeah, um, so obviously I mentioned it kind of there that my dad was a referee. Um, and uh, yeah, I got to 16, which is the age you can become a referee in Scotland. Uh, and I was at school still and kind of just said, oh, I could, you know, I could go and be a referee, enjoy football, and uh, I can go and do the exam now. And my friends would kind of say to me, but girls don't referee, and uh, when have you ever seen a female referee? And I was a bit like, well, I'll show you. So it did kind of start, to be honest, as a, I'll just show you. I didn't really have massive plans to to stick at it, but um, yeah, I fell in love with it, obviously, and, and here we are 10 years later. So yeah, that's that's kind of how it all started. Um, so thank my thank my dad, or people can unthank him <laughs> if that's the case. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how how it all kind of started off. But um, yeah, really enjoyed it, and it's definitely been an interesting journey, especially women's football, and seeing how that's kind of come on over the time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I won't ask you to give me like full chorus chorus and verse on this, but you've mentioned you've been 10 years what's could you give a kind of a, a brief overview kind of your journey from the point that you started to where you're at now yeah definitely it's probably a um quite a similar story to most referees when you come through it first that you obviously do kind of under 13 um kind of going up those levels um club academy and um, for, for the the boys on that side and doing girls football as well so that was kind of the first few years um was just um doing that learning because funnily enough uh, nobody is a great referee when they start it's definitely <laughs> not something that, that just comes to you as soon as you walk out on a park but um yeah it's just about learning and growing and then um, got a bit more into it, the women's side of it um started doing some of the SWF games um um SWFL2 and and one uh, and slowly progressing that way while also on the men's side starting to do a few more lines and um, so being an assistant in in that case and and yeah just kind of going going from there and growing so that was probably the first kind of four or five years getting you know uh, uh maybe an SWFL league final things like that here and there which was was amazing and great development um, and slowly seeing the women's game grow as well um and then I suppose the first massive big break for me um probably came in uh, 2017 so they got the call in 2016 but to say that you know I'd, I'd been working really hard and, and doing the SWPL for a few years at that point um and um that the Scottish FA would like to nominate me for FIFA um as, as an assistant referee um which I was I was actually down in London with work when I got the call and I was about to go in the tube so I was glad I hadn't gone down yet and lose phone signal but um, yeah, got got the phone call and had to go and do the various tests and the fitness tests and um, health checks and things like that before getting nominated and found out in December 2016 that I'd, I'd been accepted for that uh, year coming, so 2017, uh, and then had um, a quite amazing game since then and kind of can't believe, um, especially when we're saying that I can't, I can't play. So, you know, from <laughs> going and sitting and watching Champions League at home to being able to actually say I've done a women's champions league game and it's, yeah it's it kind of can't believe it um and you know women's scottish cup finals as well these are just amazing opportunities that if you'd asked me at 16 would I ever thought that I would be involved I would have said you're having a laugh but to to have kind of progressed and, and worked and it is really hard and we all work hard we do a lot of training and and uh, learning of laws of games and obviously adapting there's been a lot of changes in the last few years so um yeah it, it's definitely been very interesting and in, in getting a bit more involved in the um 
development side of refereeing as well and, and trying to get more females into the game from that perspective in my career as well. I don't I, I want to, you know, encourage people and I think it was something I think Glasgow City had in the back of their talks a few years ago, but that you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. Um and, and really encouraging um people um and, and young girls to see and the numbers of female referees coming through now it's it's, it's really nice to see. Do you think it's something that maybe gets overlooked a little bit, the amount of... Because like, especially um, with kind of part-time players in women's football, the dedication the players have to show in terms of mm. getting on the pitch, playing the game. Do you think it gets overlooked sometimes that the official referees... I mean, everybody talks about coaches as well, but I always, as you were explaining that, a part of me goes, I mean, I know it happens, but I don't think you think about it as much <laughs> when it comes to the referee team. Yeah, I think it, I do think it gets uh, forgotten about. I, I do think even probably some people, you know, not everybody, but even thinks, you know, that Bobby Madden and, and uh, Willie Collum and stuff, they just show up on a Saturday, walk <laughs> out on the pitch and then that's it. But uh, no, definitely not. You know, um, we put a lot, of, a lot of preparation and a lot of training, um, a lot of different training as well, which the players will do as well, you know, um, for, for training wise to make sure that we're ready for games. But yeah, train a lot throughout the week. You find out um, what what your game's going to be, and it's um, we have uh, in my local association we have training on a Wednesday, and it's about oh, have you had that team recently, or how what's happening, and um, is there any history between two teams or anything like that? And obviously, um, for being in the women's SPL for the last few years, obviously kind of know how how teams are and and react and things like that, and who maybe doesn't get on so well with who. But um, but yeah, it's about maybe learning things. Um, I think it was, uh, I can't remember what game it was, but I was on a game with a referee and, and you know, we do so much that he was like, right, this is the set piece from when I had them two weeks ago and this is what they do, so my position is going to be X, Y and Z. And I think people forget that that's a lot of things that we do because that position being one metre, two metre different can be a whole different decision in a game. Um, so, yeah, so, and even from, you know, turning up before the game and the amount of work we do in that hour and a half, hour before a game is, is probably more than most people think that we, we do. <laughs> No, and especially when you think about some of the things that happen, um, for example, if you, if you get to you say, making sure you can see a decision. I always think it's really interesting as well, um, obviously not necessarily at SWPL level, but SWF and, and lower, lower grades in the men's game as well. Sometimes it's just the referee. Um, how, yeah, it's so hard. I was say, how difficult is that, especially, especially when you have, and I've seen it happen all the time, you have the striker who loves just trying to nick those extra yards. How, how difficult is it to manage like offside and being a referee and probably getting a bit of verbals from somebody around about you. Yeah, it can it can be impossible, um, and it, it's so hard. And um, I think that does come into the management of the game and and how you you deal with it. But yeah, it it can be really hard on your own to try and deal with all those aspects and all the players and one player shouting at you and not having assistance and try to do subs and running about trying to deal with an offside when somebody's pinged it from one end of the pitch to the other, which you've just got no chance of being able to run, you know, fifty yards and the speed of the ball to figure out what, what happened. So um but it's something that we, we um learn and we train our officials on and again probably small things that people will will never notice unless you become a referee but the positioning that changes when you're on your own to when you're with assistance and so much easier with assistance and force officials and, and, and it's also really hard though as well um changing between the games as well. So if one week I do have an SWF and then two or three days later you know you've got a midweek SPL it's like, oh hang on. I'm not in the right position now because I've got assistance or vice versa. Um, so it can be really hard. We've got to, to swap and shift between the two styles of the game. But um, yeah, it's good fun. <laughs> so in terms of managing the game then, 
but you've, we've kind of covered like the various different types. What what's your approach to like when you you know what game you've got? You've also mentioned you kind of try and get a bit of backstory. But to, on game day, how how do you try and approach a game of football? Yeah, I think um, I, I I try to just be um, really open. I'm I'm and I hope players would agree with me that I've uh, <laughs> officiated maybe not, but um, that I do really try um, to, to people manage and and talk and not try to be you know just whistle 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 I like to talk to players I like to be open and honest as well like if I've made a decision I'm more than happy to you know go through and say why uh, why I've made a decision or if I haven't made a decision about why I've not um, and also I do try to be honest if I've not seen something I will hold my hands up and say to a player I have honestly not seen that um, and I think people forget that we're human sometimes. Um, it is really hard, especially when you're saying, like, when you're on your own, if something happens behind your back or you've not quite turned quick enough or, um, yes, yeah, somebody's pinged the ball from one end of the pitch to the other. And it's really hard. But, no, I, I do really try to, to, to be open and, and speak with players and really manage and try to deal with it from that perspective. I don't like, um, yeah, using the whistle and being that, if people seeing that, I think, it's all about me and the game. It's definitely. Not. I would rather walk away and nobody even knew I was there. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah. So I do really try try and manage it that way, and I, I hope players see that. But never know. <laughs> it, I, it was a, a podcast recently. You mentioned Willie Collin earlier on. There was a podcast recently. Mm. He was talking about some of the things that he's kind of gone through. Yeah, What's, yeah. In a world where we're trying to, I think, especially now, it feels like we're in a in a place where the majority of people or try to promote kindness, or try to just a bit more understanding. Yeah. How how does that sometimes translate to you as, a, as an official? Because even in SWPL, I've heard that, you see it, you, <laughs> you still sometimes get stuff where you're like, oh, would you say that to somebody in, in, in the street? Um, how, yeah. how, do you, how do you kind of deal with that as a, as, I was going to say as a referee, but as a person, because at the end of the day, I'm guessing sometimes that, that can lag on if it's something particularly stinging. Yeah, and I, do you know what? I think that's actually the key bit. I think people forget that we are people. Um, and uh, it, it's a funny one for me as well because I've obviously grown up with it. I used to go and watch my dad at a junior game or I used to go and watch him referee hearts, you know, or, or whatever in the SPL. And, um, and you know, um, my sister, when she was growing up, she used to, there's about 10 years between us. And she's like, what are they calling dad? And you're like, well, well uh, they're saying this and try to, try to get around it. Um, so it's a bit of a, it's a funny one for me because I've grown up with it and I think I maybe have become a bit desensitized to it, that's the right word, you know, in a way, but um, it, it's really difficult um, and uh, sometimes I do find it really hard and again, I think people forget that we're we're human as well and that we make mistakes and again, I think people think we, we walk away from a game and we go, oh well, that was it, I've got my money now or whatever, you know, that was it, turn off, that's it, Saturday night, Sunday night, uh, just get on with it, but um, you can ask my family, you can ask friends, you can ask work colleagues. If I've had a game on a Saturday or Sunday, and I am not sure, or I, I think I've made a mistake, and you know, and people are are on Twitter or shout have been shouting at me, or you know, they've been waiting for me coming out of changing rooms after games and things like that. Um, I am my harshest critic. I will sit and watch a clip from a game, and it's great now that we have so many of the the women's games as well being recorded yeah, now. <laughs> maybe not so great sometimes as well but but for, but it is for me I would I would rather see the mistake and learn from it and I'm I'm not joking I can sit for three or four five days after a game and go 
was I right? Was I wrong? What what can I have done? How could I have been better? How could I have dealt with a bit? Is it just that positioning? Could I have just been two or three yards further forward? Um, and genuinely we go through it and, and we have obviously then another game to come the next weekend. So it's about learning, getting on with it. And it can be really hard to walk out and think, right, I, I obviously don't want to do that again, especially if it's um, a really unusual situation or something. But um, yeah, it can be um, it can be really hard um, for us. And I think people forget and that we obviously don't want to make mistakes. We would much rather walk away with no mistakes. Um, yeah, and I think people need to, to remember that. Um, it's, it's hard enough as well. And I get it, we've got something wrong and it can change a game. Um, and But we will walk away knowing that that's changed that game and we'll feel terrible about it as well. So yeah, it can, it can be difficult. How, how do you kind of shake that off? Because I'm thinking if, if I'm a player, if I've, I've made a mistake, I've kind of got that next game and I feel like maybe I've missed a sitter that week, but the next week I score a goal and I almost, you almost get coming out of the redemption arc, kind of in terms of mm-hmm. from the error to that point. How, how do you get that as a referee? Because you're right, if you, if you as a referee make a mistake and somebody comes at you for it, the next week they're not going to say cheers if you've got something maybe really good that's against them, yeah. for example. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. You and especially when you're probably with a different team as well the next week or whatever. No one, no one apart from yourself or maybe if you're out with the same assistants or if even you've got an observer because we get um, obviously watched quite a lot and and it's good to see that in the women's game we're getting more observers to watch us. Um, they've been watching us in cup finals for a long time, but you know there there's a lot more observers starting to come out to the league games, which is good. Um. But yeah, nobody apart from yourself is that person that's like, yes, I got. I think it's like almost sometimes if you if you do learn from it or so, you know, it's that Mike Dean thing of when he's jumping <laughs> about in the games down south, but obviously you're doing it inside. But um, no, it, it is difficult. It, but yeah, it, it's about, I think, going out there and knowing that you have done right, you've fixed it, you've learned from it. Um, and yeah, it, it like, don't get me wrong, there's been times that I've come out the tunnel and you're like, don't do it, don't do it, or get it right, or, you know, just it has to be better than last week. Um, and, yeah, but you just need to get through it. Uh, it's definitely a very mental mental thing for referees. I, w- I would love to actually see a study done on, um, I think I put on a tweet recently, actually, that I would love to see um, a study done on referees' mental health um, after they get, like, a decision wrong and, and how that really affects us. I have no idea how anybody would ever do it, but I think it would be a really interesting study, but, yeah. I was, asked, well, I, was, I was actually going to ask that as a follow-up question before you mentioned it there. Mm. Do you get that kind of support in terms of the, the mental aspect? of? Because, again, it's something that's talked about across the sport, but is it something you get, especially mm-hmm. in those high-pressure situations where maybe something hasn't gone right? Um, do you have that kind of support structure within the kind of referee fraternity, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we obviously have the uh, the, the Scottish FA are there. Um, I'm obviously really lucky that my dad was a referee and uh, and also his, his current position now in, in refereeing. But um, so I'm lucky that I, or unlucky sometimes, because, you know, when I was younger and coming through, I'd be like, Dad, this happened today. And, you know, I'm sure I'm right. And he's like, nope, nope, you're wrong. And you'd be like, no, Dad, come on, please just support. And no, no, you're wrong. And he could be my harshest critic as well. But he also, I think, knew um, when, you know, you'd come away from a game and you were, really down and find it really tough and walking it through and talking it through with me. So I was lucky from that perspective, but not everybody has that. I get that. Um, so, you know, there's different things for us. So um, the women referees are really close. Um, we have a lot of close like WhatsApp groups and things like that. And coming away from a game, this happened today and um, we're all really supportive of each other. You know, we, we tell it straight. <laughs> Maybe it's a referee trait. I don't know, but we tell it straight. You know, you, that was probably wrong. 
Um, and you go, oh, what am I going to And we kind of support each other and go, you know, we've got a game next week. You just really need to, to get through it. Um, and we have our, our local associ- association training as well and support each other, you know, all that happened at the weekend. or So we do have that, but it is, and I think Willie touched on it on that podcast. It can be quite a lonely place because yeah. you're inside your own head, and sometimes it's, it can be difficult to to get out that funk, especially if if you're the sort of person who like is like me that literally can't switch off, and I'll literally be playing a situation in my head for I'm not joking days, and like thinking about it before I go to sleep, like what could I have done, and did did that change a game or whatever, and it it can be yeah, it, it's really hard. Yeah, well, as I said, hopefully, as as we hopefully have gone into a new period of enlightenment when it comes to yeah. humanity as a whole, everybody across <laughs> everything is a little bit nicer to everyone. But let's... <laughs> and I think it's good to hear us speaking out as well. I think it's actually changing people's perceptions as well, and not just seeing us as robots that go out on a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I think I think that's important as well. It's, yeah. it's such a it's such a kind of weird and. It's a weird thing to talk about, but I referee, because it's not something, until fairly recently, it's not something that a lot of people have got a lot of yeah. insight into. So, yeah, it's, it's really good to do that. But let's, let's talk a bit more about yeah. games specifically. Let's, let's try and mm-hmm. spin it a bit more positively. Now. In terms of like, your games, what's, what's been your favourite one to officiate? What's, what's been the one you've gone, oh, this has been amazing? Oh, my favourite game. I think you will. If you're, if you're talking domestically, then, you know, Scottish Cup finals have had... Um, I've been super lucky, really, really lucky. And I've been on three now. Um, 2014, I was fourth official. And then the last two years, I've been on the line. And those are obviously just amazing experiences to be on. And the Women's Scottish Cup final and, and an honour. And to know that you've maybe done something right <laughs> throughout the year. Um, it probably goes back to that a little bit about that. That, that, that at least tells you you've done something right. Um, and then um, probably a little bit there is... Um, and I think a few people know that I, I went and did um, a game on top of Kilimanjaro. Um, so it was yeah. a, a world record game, um, the highest game um, of football in the world. Um, and it was all women footballers across the world, Olympic um, gold medalists, English um, internationalists, and also amateur players from random places around the world, people from Saudi, Jordan, things like that. And I was really lucky and got to be an assistant referee on that game. So that was, yeah, a pretty unbelievable once in a lifetime. <laughs> how did experience. that? How did that come about? That you are one of the people to end up at the top. Yeah, I was really lucky, and it just um, that was the year I got my FIFA badge. And um, I was also at the time the youth ambassador for refereeing at the Scottish FA. Yep. So trying to encourage um, young people to get involved in refereeing across Scotland. And uh, I'd said, you know, I'm obviously really passionate about getting more women involved in football in all aspects, not just refereeing. Um, and, you know, if there's anything that ever comes up and funnily enough, the next day <laughs> I got a phone call saying, oh, actually, there's this uh, experience come up, or not experience, but this this opportunity come up. Um, would you be available? And it was in three weeks time. So I think I got the call May and the game was in June. And uh, so the Pentlands in Edinburgh basically became my Kilimanjaro <laughs> for two weeks before, um, which funnily enough is nowhere near as high as Kilimanjaro, <laughs> but um, trying to trying to train in three weeks and, and get all the equipment and stuff, um, that was really interesting. So we needed them um, FIFA officials to, to make it an official game as yeah. such. So that's kind of how it came about. And my colleague, um, Morag, um, from Aberdeen Association, she, she went as well. So it was nice to have someone as well to go with and be a bit like what have we got ourselves in for basically <laughs> i do like the fact that it's like three weeks and then you're just standing at the top of like the second highest mountain in the world going 
Oh, aye. This is, this is good. Aye, this is all right. And on, on a pitch made of a volcanic ash and the lines were flowers. So it was a yeah, really uh, odd, odd experience, but unbelievable. Really emotional as well. Yeah, yeah amazing. Um, you've mentioned Scottish Cup finals. Is that the highest profile game that you've, you've done or is there anything else that kind of crops into your, into your head? Um, domestically, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, internationally, um, last year, actually, I got the opportunity to um, the um, last 32 of the Champions League. Um, so um went to Madrid and did Atletico Madrid Spartak. That was uh, like t- surreal. <laughs> Again, when, like I was saying earlier, like little girl who was 16 who just really enjoyed football to be like one day, oh, what do you mean I could be on doing a Champions League game? Um, and then three weeks later, we went to Germany and did um, Germany-Ukraine for the Euro qualifiers as well. So, yeah, those were probably the, the two um, two most high-profile ones um, I've done. And an amazing experience this year to, to go to Atletico Madrid and see their kind of training facilities and, and stuff there. I was uh, I was over actually in Madrid. I used to live there, so I was over there in December time, and they've moved oh, okay. to their new they've moved to the new complex as well. And it's so we did the first game there. Oh, was that the first? Yeah, oh, I think that's really yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, that's yeah, for how, the women team anyway. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a really cool place to watch, and the the crowds you get there, it's like a couple of thousand easy each each team. It was unbelievable, play. like and yeah, well, the German game was insane. Like we we because um, it's it's usually two 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 and a bit hours. We get there before the game to start, you know, pre match and going around the pitch and everything and and and, uh, and checking it all out. And the fans were already there, thousands thousands of fans and I'm like it's two and a half hours before a game what what are they going to do and they let them in and like the warm-up was just insane like and we were beside them and there was eight or nine thousand fans and um, and it was in a smaller place in Germany as well so they traveled to get to it it was just yeah crazy do the do you have to change how you manage a game when it's not Scottish players is is there, is, there, um, is there really actually a continental shift whenever you're managing a, a game out? Um, sometimes, yeah, we we do talk about different styles of football as well, and and um, and but physicality and things like that. But and obviously the the English barrier as well. Some some players don't speak English, so it's about um, thinking about hand movements. Like there was a clip a few years ago. I can't remember because obviously we do a lot of training yeah, with of clips, and I think it was a, a referee did something with her arms. And obviously, she was trying to tell them, like, don't put your arms up. But what was the first thing they did as soon as the ball got kicked was put their arms up? Because I think it got lost in translation. I don't know what they were doing. So it's silly things like thinking about that as well and, and what we do. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, interesting. What's, uh, what's been the toughest game you've had to do at, at, any, at any level? What's been the one where at the end of it you've just gone, I've put a shift in there? Um, oh. Toughest game, I think. Um, I'm trying try to think. The uh, I've had I've had a few like back and forward games that have been like also amazing games that you're like that yeah. that's great. I think. Um, yeah. Oh, that that's a tough one. I think um, the hardest game that I ever came away from and not trying to get back into it too much, but was like an under thirteen game that I did, and I thought I was having an alright game, and it was I was maybe like. Two, two years in, two, three years in, so it's about 18, and uh, thought I was having an alright game. One yellow card in the first half, it was fine, and I went up to the, the, the top corner because um, when I was younger, and um, not so much now, but you try and be smart about it. Um, obviously, you don't really go inside at half time at these games, and I tend to put my water bottle away from crowds and um, the technical areas, you know, just in case when you're on your own. Uh, and somebody walked all the way around and all the way up to me. And, 
how do you think you're doing? And you're like, um, okay, uh, yeah, I think so, I think it's all right. And uh, oh, he just laid into me and said what a terrible game I was having and how how did I ever think I could, and like literally one-on-one with me, like a couple of years away and it was, it was so hard. And um, I think it's made me a stronger person now, whether somebody should have done that, probably not. Um, but um, yeah, I had the worst second half ever ever yeah. like throwing wrong way like oh, it was a bad time uh, and I was devastated after the game it really really affected me and I think I was meant to have my first women's SPL game like a week or two later and I was really like how how am I, I going to do this and um, the, the person actually got in touch after the game and said oh, I'm really sorry uh, I didn't mean it I think I impacted your game a bit it's just you yellow carded my son in the first half and I really didn't like it is it, and is it, was it like, <laughs> is it is it were those games actually harder to manage because with with the players I'm guessing you can assert a level of authority and when mm. but with the, the people in the periphery all the fans appearance is that making yeah. the, those games maybe actually a little bit harder because when you get to kind of the level you're at now you're you're speaking to people as as peers in terms of age life experiences yeah. in that respect is that is it maybe actually a little bit harder that first kind of few steps you have to take. I think especially when you're younger as well and, and, and building that resilience as well and, you know, trying not to take everything personally sometimes when they're upset that you've yellow-carded their, their son or daughter. But, um, yeah, I think so sometimes um, that, that could be harder and especially when you are coming up through some of those games and um, at, at that age, you know, there's maybe only 10, 15 fans so you can hear every single one of those voices as well. Whereas yeah. I used to say that to my dad. I was like, Dad, you're going out and okay unless they're all singing together you can't actually hear Jim shouting at you that you're telling you're rubbish. You know, you, you just hear like a general, a general noise. Whereas when you're, you're coming through and you're learning and um, yeah, you, you hear that one person shouting at you. Um, but yeah, I think um, it, those games can be tougher. Parent, parents can be the worst um, <laughs> sometimes. And I think it, I think it's good. One of the things I really liked about women's football actually was um, the, there's a match control form um, for the games. And it's about, you know, the spec, or like crowds or did you know did everybody behave yeah. as expected from the, I think it's the Scottish FA charter that they brought out years ago and you know parents remember referees are learning as well because again I think people forget that when we're doing under 13 games and under 14 we're learning still as yeah. well as the players are so uh, yeah those games could be harder but I think I think that was probably the toughest in that sense but I, uh, I can't think of a game off the top of my head that I've had that's been really tough that's been back and forward you know some some cup finals because Teams really, really want obviously yeah. to win. Uh, those can be interesting, tough from that perspective, and TV cameras on you. But um, yeah. In terms of going forward, um, there's been some re- innovations, a few innovations in, in recent years for refereeing. Yeah. Um, most of them haven't reached Scotland yet, I don't think. No, they haven't. Um, <laughs> but we've had stuff like VAR, going technology. How um, much as a referee? What's what's your take on these? Is this a good thing for you to have these kind of support tools? I think anything that can help us as long as it's done in, in the right way. I know we've obviously seen um, different things over the years, but I think anything that can help us, you know, uh, I'd be surprised if 90% of referees, over 90% of referees didn't say we welcome it because, you know, even simple things, if we're going way back, you know, we have buzzer flags, things like that, that we wear that, so you know, when your assistant flag and say offside, so you're going, all right, okay, the comms kit. Obviously those in the last 10, 15, 20 years have yeah, changed the game massively, really helped them. Um, 
the men's game higher up and you can see it slowly coming to the women's games and um, when we're on the the tv and stuff like that we we get to use them and um, so yeah things like that and obviously var and goal line technology maybe not last night in the <laughs> men's game, but, uh, at the uh, um Aston Villa game but um yeah uh, definitely anything that can help us we will welcome with open arms because it can help us because again we don't want to get those decisions right we want to walk away and have no one talking about us we want it to be that we just you know we got through that game everybody's happy um you know it's been like really taking me back that some games that some people come up to you and say oh by the way you had a really great game and you're like oh oh thank you that's what we want you know we don't want anybody to be saying you've had a terrible game so if technology can help us then yeah as long as it's in the right way You've mentioned like the buzzer and the flags and the, the headsets. Mm. What, what do you think has maybe been the best kind of bit of kit that's been given to you over the last kind of few years that's kind of helped with your managing the game? Comms kit is definitely, the communication kit definitely massive, massively helps. Um, I, again, was really lucky that um, when my dad was still active referee, he had a comms kit so I could take it to games. Um, uh, obviously he doesn't have that anymore so I kind of lost out on that little perk but um, when I'm on with like um, Lorraine Watson um, she has a comms kit because she's a, a FIFA referee um, whereas assistant refs don't get given the um, the comms kit but um, it's, it's just such a help even the simplest things of blue 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 you know green 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 orange 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 they, they've kicked it out or throw in simple simple things like that or um, or if an incident happens and um, one assistant will try and keep an eye on a player um, if they've made a, a challenge and you've, the referee's gone in to check on a player and they stand up and go, oh my gosh, where have they gone? Then your assistant can go, it was number eight, they're behind you um, and that, that helps so, so much us get, get these decisions, these big, big decisions right or, you know, um, if an assistant has a great, great view on um, penalty kick in or out decisions, things like that, yeah. these are the things that make a difference and it's really really helpful. Is there anything you'd like to see introduced that maybe hasn't yet? Have you had any brainwaves as you've been sitting in sitting in a game <laughs> or watching a video playback on anything? I think um, it would just be good I think to see these this, these things come to Scotland um, first of all I think um, and to come down the game I think you know before we I even started thinking that that would be great to have that uh, I think it would be nice to have these things um, a lot, lot more of the time um, you know, we're starting to see comms kits were extortionate. We're talking thousands of pounds. We're starting to see them come down and be more accessible to, to um, uh, different levels of football. So um, I think just, yeah, let's let's start there, get those introduced <laughs> and uh, we'll see where we go from there. But yeah, anything that, that can help us again is great. What's your take on like making up referees? So obviously they do it in like mm. rugby, American football. So if you're watching it on TV, for example, you hear the conversation. In American football, you can hear the conversation in the in the stands, uh, the way stands, that they, they operate yeah. it. What's, what's your take on that? Do you think that would be a good innovation or would you have any concerns about it? Yeah, I think it's uh, an interesting one. I think if it did happen, it would have to be used in the right way. I think a bit like the American football where the referee has control of it as well. And certain scenarios, I think sometimes especially in, in um, football, um, the game moves so fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're trying to make, I can't remember the exact stat off the top of my head. It is something crazy like in a game of football, an official makes something like 300, 400 decisions in those 90 minutes. Could you imagine like trying to get all that information and how fast that we're trying to process it between each other? So I think it would have to be used in the right way. I think there was a clip um, 
about a year ago now, maybe a bit over a year ago in Australia, of a oh yes, there was bar. Yeah. Yep. I think that that example is brilliant. And um, there was an example we were showing in um, Scotland, actually, of a Scottish official, um, more for a training clip. I don't know if it ever got released out. And so I won't say names or anything. They got it right. So not that that's the problem. But um, we saw in a training clip where um, they were speaking through VAR and you heard how they were coming to the decision. Yeah. And it was just so like I'm um, like probably a bit geeky refereeing but like it was so amazing to hear how they came to the decision and I think that one especially in Australia you know it was I think pretty clear cut maybe that one but this one was all about um I think it was a um, penalty decision maybe there was something odd like an offside happened first or they thought there was offside but actually this decision happened before I can't remember but basically over the the VAR the um video assistant referee went right okay uh come over to the screen, it's a penalty. We're telling you it's a penalty now, but come over to the screen, you know, it's just to really sell that decision, show that you've looked at it, how you've come to it, because there was that odd situation that happened before and people going, eh, why have you given that when we thought it was an offside or the opposite before? Um, and it was just really good to see. And I think that probably would be good for people to hear um, that part. And um, yeah, I think it just has to be controlled and thought about how and what scenarios you would use it in. Um, but that was interesting to hear how they, they came to the decision and, and what they saw in the video angles and things. Yeah, I definitely think it's something that's been missed with the implementation of VAR and, and the goaling technology in that respect in football. I think you see it. Uh, I hate making comparisons with other sports, but I think it's worth mentioning because you talked about the kind of that talking through process and you see it in rugby league and rugby union when it comes to like try, no try. They talk through mm-hmm. all the things they're doing to get to that point. So, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what impact it would have in the conversations on the pitch as well. I'm, I'm guessing that might have a slight alteration. Yeah, and to tell it, and, and, and like, that's probably going back to the comms kit a little bit again, and that really does help with um, uh, player management as well. Um, and, you know, if something's happened and they go, how, how did you even see that? Well, I'm speaking because they obviously don't realise that you're speaking through with your assistant or your fourth official. Actually, it wasn't me that saw that. It was them. And this is what they saw. And they're like, all right, all right, OK. And the amount of times they then walk away with from you going, all right, OK, great. No, we did see it. Or, you know, it's quite funny that they're like, all right, fine. <laughs> um, do you think there's, because uh, sometimes I think one of the classics is to get your flag up when the, the, the offside's being given. You, you know that the headset is there, but some people don't see that. Do you think sometimes, because I know, for example, um, if somebody's clear through on goal, and the kind of the time when you put your flag up, do you feel sometimes that some of the things that you are asked to do could be tightened up just to make things a bit clearer for people watching? So, like maybe you know the decision, but maybe the people that are in, in attendance maybe don't quite get it. Maybe, yeah. I think, yeah, you'd have to think about how that how that would be done because I think there's probably a lot of things that people don't realise. Like we are trained a lot because sometimes refereeing can be a bit of a performance because it is about like showing people, you know the silly things of like pointing to three spots and that's telling someone oh they did three things or yeah. four things and also it's persistent so um there's a lot of things that we're trained on to to, to show in detail to um, spectators and in the technical areas and things that that is why that's been given so i think yes yeah, sometimes there is because yeah there's a lot like i was saying a lot of conversation that can go on those comms kits of uh, me if i'm an assistant referee asking the um referee you know was there a deliberate touch from a defender or you know things that so we are processing so much information um to try and get that that right decision so yeah i think it would just have to be thought about how what what signals or what do you do to say oh actually it's really close or yeah, yeah. what what you're going to do yeah totally um 
we, we should probably talk about current times because at the moment mm-hmm. we, we both don't have football in our lives. Well, we kind of do, but not really. Um, <laughs> when when football comes back, does, does the role of the referee, is that going to change at all in terms of what happens in and around the game or is it still just going to be as it was before, outside of the, usual, the, the other things that we all know yeah. everybody's going to have to do? Yeah, um, no, I don't think it's going to change too much. I think FIFA have come out and said that, you know, this this isn't up to the referee to decide <laughs> who can play and who cannot. Um, it, it is really going to be a team effort. Um, it, yeah, people are, are going to need to remember again, you know, there's not 22 folk on the field, there's 23, and it's about coming together and the uh, back office staff and, you know, um, the managers and us and the players um, just really coming together and, and working together to... Um, to for the safety of everybody, it's definitely an interesting time, and who knows when, uh, especially when um, women's football will come back. Um, hope it's sooner than later, but um, yeah, yeah, interesting times. Hopefully so. Um, before we get onto the food bit, we'll ask you one last question about refereeing. Um, okay. When you get to the full time whistle, I think you've kind of insinuated this already. What makes you go? I've had a good game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like. It's difficult again to think about it. But um, yeah, I think obviously if, if it's happened a few times, it's, it's been like, wow, thank you. Like somebody's come up and said, oh, you've had a, a really good game. Um, we were actually um, we did a friendly in Wales. Um, it was actually like one of the last games before um, lockdown um, in Wales. It was a friendly, um, and uh, one of the players came up to to Lorraine after the game, and she said one of the best refereeing performances I've ever seen and it almost takes you back because you're like oh like we get so much abuse for Sunday so then you're like wow like and we're like oh and then she actually tweeted after the game as well uh, about it and we were like that was really nice and obviously great for Lorraine to get that so that's obviously nice um, but I suppose if nobody talks about us it's also means <laughs> you've not done anything wrong um, but I think you do know when you've had a good game when you walk away and go guys we got every decision right there that you know the big decisions that were critical to the game you know confident and um, it can be hard again sometimes we we are really critical of ourselves and I do think sometimes we need to look at the positives because I do come away from most of my game thinking about what can I do better what is the next thing because there's always room for improvement always um, and when we get observed at games sometimes it's really um, hard not to focus on thinking did I get that right oh my god please let me have got that right because that's such a big decision and you know when when they show the clip and they go you got that right you're like like thank goodness and it can be such a weight lifted off your shoulders obviously um after it so uh yeah i suppose there's lots of different things um you usually know when you've had a good game and you walk away and think think this is why i do it and why i love it and um thankfully i have more good games than uh, <laughs> much more a lot more good games than bad games but they do happen but uh yeah it's uh that's the reason we do it we love football and we wouldn't be in, involved and in, to watch some some really good football as well and Obviously, it's great to see the, the SWPL really, the women's game in general growing and the quality of football and again, to get to go to Champions League and stuff and see some of the top players in the world play is just like jaw dropping and it's great. Is, that, is it uh, hard not to get, I know sometimes when I'm meant to be covering a game, I get a little bit carried away and I kind of forget what I'm there for. Is it hard to do that? You mentioned sometimes if you get like a really back and forth entertaining game, is it hard not to get wrapped, wrapped up in it sometimes? See, sometimes when there's just like an absolutely cracking goal and you're like, oh, wow, like you just want to be like, whoa, guys, that was like amazing. Like just because like 
I wouldn't do it if I didn't appreciate football. Yeah. So like if somebody does something amazing, it, it is really hard in the game because obviously the other team will be like, why are you doing that for that? And you're like, well, no, because I just really appreciate football. And if somebody does something like absolutely cracking or like sometimes you can be a bit starstruck with some players and stuff and uh, when I've done bigger games and you're like, oh, wow. And um, yeah, and you're like in the tunnel or whatever, you're like, oh, that, that, that player or whatever, I can't believe I'm refereeing a game that this player's on and they've been to whatever in the World Cups and stuff. So yeah, it can be a bit like, come on, wait, focus, you're back in the game, you're, uh, <laughs> you've still got 90 minutes to go. <laughs> we, we've also had a pretty good conversation about refereeing. Um, yeah. Do you think, one of the things that always gets mentioned is the idea that maybe referees get the opportunity to speak after a game. But what's, you, what's your take on that? Do you think that that would be good or do you think that could actually potentially lead to kind of more debate around decisions? Potentially. Again, I think it would just have to be done in the right controlled way um, again because I think um, sometimes you can also be really in your head after a game um, especially if you're not sure if you've got something really big or if you've just genuinely genuinely not seen that handball or you know yeah. or whatever it is and you can be really in your head so I don't know if right after a game that would be the right thing I think you know there would need to be um, some time I think I think sometimes it is good because I can walk away and um, I think it is interesting to speak to referees because you know I go in into work maybe not just now but I would go into work on a Monday in the office uh, when I could and uh, they'd be like oh the head game this weekend or like or oh oh my god did you see that game down south and I go well, actually, maybe the referee, maybe this happened in that position and I can see what they were trying to do. And, and they're like, oh, right. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. And hadn't. So I do think sometimes that that would definitely help um, help the game and, and help people understand and not be so harsh on referees about why did they do or come to that decision? How did they get to that? Um, but yeah, it just has to be done in the right way because if a referee is still really not sure or still really caught up in the moment and they haven't seen the video because if well, obviously don't have VAR in Scotland so if they haven't seen it yet and have no idea um, sometimes it's not fair to, to also put that onto someone to go here have a video watch it and tell us now what you think and go oh well I got it wrong didn't I so uh, I don't really know what to give you back right this second I need to think and uh, what, what could I have done here yeah, I'm not really a, a much of a shouter at the football these days from not being for a while <laughs> but I'm one of these guys who tries to, tries to prevent the, the rational approach to how things happen in it it doesn't go down yeah. well a lot of things, but you no, know, you try. It's quite a try. Always go down. <laughs> it's quite a try. Uh, right, we always like to wrap, out, uh, wrap up with a little bit of food chat, um, just because I like my strand, and I always like finding out people like their strand. So my question to you is, do you like your strand? Yeah, yeah, I like my strand, yeah. Do you, are you a, a eater or a cooker, or are you a bit of both, or what's what's your kind of... bit of both, is definitely, especially now during, during the, <laughs> the recent times, uh, definitely a lot more cooking going on, but uh, no, no, I like, like to to go out and see different restaurants and stuff as well, yeah. Um, I always kind of ask kind of players about their diet. Do you do you keep a, a close eye on your diet during the season as well in terms of you obviously doing the same level of training as, as kind of the players are almost? Yeah, yeah, we're just, we obviously just try to keep an eye on it. You know, there's a cheat day here and there every now and then, but uh, no, definitely try and, uh, try and keep an eye on things. And we do get nutrition courses once or twice a year from the Scottish FA or, or locally we invite someone in to kind of go through things and things that you could change up and different ideas what's come out now what's the latest thing that's really good for sport performance so uh, yeah we, we, we do a bit of that throughout the year so do try to keep an eye on it but do have a treat every now and then. Okay well let's find out with the streets if you are left on a desert island and you're only allowed one one thing to eat for the rest of your life and it can be a thing it can be like 
a dish. I'll let you pick either one of those. What would it be? Oh, that is such a hard question. Uh, oh, um, oh, put me on the spot. I think it would have to be like a really, really good like Italian pizza. I went and, and lived in Italy for a while, and nice. obviously the pizza is just phenomenal over there. So yeah, I think uh, I think I'd come out like two tontesi at the end of it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> a good Italian pizza, yeah. Would it just be a plain like margarita Neapolitana kind of style, or would, oh, it, would oh, you have it? No, I'd I, I thought you know I could change off a pizza. Um, oh, I do like a classic margarita. To be fair, yeah. I think it's underrated the classic margarita. I think people get too kind of wrapped up and putting loads of stuff on them. But see, a good margarita, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, especially in Italy, like oh, phenomenal. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> um, let's flip it around then. Say you arrive in the desert island and you open the mystery box, and the mystery box had the one thing you hate more than the world. Uh, what would it be? Like, what would be the worst thing to be left with to have to eat for the rest of your, the rest of your days? Hate. Oh, I'm not a big um, smelly fish person like yeah really don't like I've, I've just like in the last couple of years I was away on a FIFA trip and I think we had salmon one night and I was like oh no <laughs> well not about it but I had it and I'm, I'm okay with salmon now but yeah I'm not a massive fish fish, person. Massive fish person that's fair um, okay that's all right and uh, <laughs> one of the questions we always ask oh we always ask I always ask uh, one of the questions I always ask <laughs> is about tunnocks so tunnocks make four products they make the caramel wafer the snowball, yeah. the caramel log, and the tea cake. If you could only pick one, which one would it be? Oh, wafer. Love a caramel wafer. What's what's what tips over the edge for you? Oh, I don't know. I think um, I'm I'm more a, a biscuity type person than yeah a tea cake or a or a snowball or yeah more more for that yeah can't be a caramel wafer. wafer. Cool. <laughs> I tell you what, say we're maybe a couple of years down the line and you get to referee the World Cup final. You've had an amazing game. You're absolutely buzzing with life and you get, get told you can pick to go out for the celebration, dinner, night out, whatever it be. What would you do? Oh, God, I don't know. Do you know what? It is genuinely just really nice to go out with the referee team um, after a game. Not that, we, not that we go out after a game because you're usually on a 2 a.m. flight the next day or whatever. But, um, yeah, just to... to be have dinner or a glass of wine or whatever you know with with the team after the game and just say uh, we had a really good game well done and it is actually just <laughs> a really nice feeling to say well done to each other so no, no that's just it's just nice to appreciate each other and thank each other for the kind of teamwork from each other so no that that would be that would be it that sounds that sounds pretty ideal to be honest with you. Nothing wrong with you yeah. can so you uh, can celebrate. <laughs> Congratulations, Mary uh, Glass and Wayne. Well, Vicky, thank you very much for coming on. It's really appreciated. Um, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Um, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you listened to this, it means you found it on Spotify or Google Podcasts or iTunes or SoundCloud or lots of other places that is around somewhere. You'll find it. Um, please give it a good review. It helps spread the word a little bit. And um, website's leadingline.com, at leadingline on Twitter. But until next time, whenever that may be, um, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, look after one another, and we'll be back again soon. Catch you later.